welcome to Therapist Spotlight. Hello everybody, and welcome to Anta's Therapist Spotlight, the podcast where we aim to showcase our wonderful Anta members to the wider community. I'm your host, Joshua Brooks, and with us today is Jackie Richards. Jackie is a holistic counsellor and a Reiki master, so this is going to be a wonderful conversation. Jackie, how are you? Thank you, Joshua. I'm really pleased to be here. Wonderful. Well, first question, what got you into natural health? I've always been interested in sort of eating healthily and exercise from sort of my late teens when I got into healthy eating to lose weight and I started doing exercise to sort of maintain that. Um, I did judo and karate, actually, so I'm a brown belt in karate. Not many people know that. That's great. Um, Very interesting, isn't it? A little bit how these journeys can take us to places where not a lot of people would expect. Yeah. And so it's sort of things sort of evolved from there, um, from sort of my sort of youth and then into um, I sort of had therapies uh, as part of my role uh, when I was working uh, pre this new career because my background is corporate IT. Mm-hmm. I spent 20 years in the corporate IT industry, and it's very, very stressful. Um, mm. Part of that, I had a breakdown. Yep. Uh, and my, I ended up having support from a lady who did holistic counselling and flower essences. And so that really sort of broadened my understanding of natural therapies that are available mm. for not just your, your, your mental and your physical health, but for your emotional and spiritual well-being as well. Yeah, wonderful. And so is that then, because that lady was able to help you, is that what made you want to do holistic counselling? Was it was it that experience? Or what made you choose holistic counselling? It's very interesting because um, I hadn't really thought about what I wanted to do. I knew I needed to get out mm. of the IT industry, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. Yeah. Uh, my partner and I moved to Australia 16 years ago now. And... Uh, we moved the week before my 40th birthday and mm. I and I said to myself, I'm not going to go into the IT industry when we come to Australia because I yeah. knew it was just soul destroying because from in my heart space, I knew I wanted to support others. So we got to Australia and I didn't know what to do. So I went back into the IT industry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'd only been, we'd only been here a few years when I realised that it, it really wasn't sitting well with me. Mm. I could see another coming along if I didn't sort of so do your research and any of that jump out at you and really resonate with you sort of intuitively that's the one to go for and so I I googled and she was correct there's thousands of holistic counseling or counseling courses but there was the one that really shone to me and that was holistic counseling and mind body medicine which also included flower essence understanding um so that's what I chose. And so I did a two-year diploma to really broaden my skills. Mm. And you just you just broke up on the internet a little bit there, Jackie. So was it just you were saying that your friend in, introduced you to the holistic counselling or you sort of, well, yeah, sorry, you just broke up on the internet a little bit there. So like, yeah, what was what was that sort of first part that you're saying? My friend said I was a good counsellor. Yeah. And then okay. that sort of um, got me into sort of doing my research. Yeah, wonderful. Well, so... What kind of brand of counselling is holistic counselling? How does it differ from sort of what other people may be expecting or other people may have experienced in their life? How do you bring your journey and what you've learned to the medicine and to people? Well, I suppose 
holistic counseling is a lot of counseling or psychology looks at your your mental health and your physical health but your emotional and your spiritual aspect are equally important mm. and it's bringing those four together which i see is the main benefit for my clients because they look at life um, from a different perspective and they also gain the skills to actually sort of acknowledge and understand and be able to work through the different sort of emotional upsets that are going on in their life through bringing in the whole four quadrants of who they are into the process. Yeah, wonderful. And so what does that look like? If I was a client and I came to you, how do we approach this? What's your process? What what are you looking at? Is it one sort of one-off sessions or is it multiple sessions? How do you take me through this journey to discover myself and heal my spiritual, emotional and physical well-being? Well, it is definitely a journey. I've mm. learned through um, so trial and error as I've set up my practice and evolved with it mm. that the best way to overcome sort of deep-seated limiting belief concepts is to actually sort of commit to a time to work on yourself. And so what I now offer my clients is an 11-week program where they see me for six sessions one-on-one, -on -one, once mm. every fortnight. And in between, they have an activity to work on which will support their uh, mental health, physical health, emotional health, and spiritual health. Yeah, and wonderful. people sign up for a commitment with me because I know that by the end of the 11 weeks, they will have changed. They will have um, understood and overcome any blocks that they're having and actually be able to see life with new perspectives and a new openness and clarity so that they can actually sort of enjoy life for the first time in a long time, probably. Mm. And it's so important what you just said there, that commitment, making that commitment to yourself to actually give yourself the permission to go on the journey. It's, you know, it's so easy when you're just having one-off sessions that you're just like, oh, and then, okay, I'll book back in two weeks and you may put it off again. But when you've actually made that, whole journey commitment it must increase that accountability and effectiveness i would imagine it is and with each session um you know, we we there's some talk therapy i suppose you'd call it mm -hmm. um i tailor a flower essence remedy um oh, for my clients to see them through the first few weeks so that start working subconsciously with what's going on but also a key part of my sessions is to receive a reiki healing Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because most people don't know how to relax these days and mm -hmm. Reiki will support the client being able to relax in the first instance but also from that the innate healing system that's there to begin to work more optimally and so the tension is released the anxiety is released and that can bring about um, improved healing and openness to see things differently. So I'm sure that a lot of our natural therapists aren't strangers to reiki but for anybody who is out there can you explain what reiki is what it does so touch therapy can it be done from distance how does it sort of work what what's a reiki session look like reiki is a beautiful um healing modality it's an ancient japanese um therapy mm. and it works on the idea that we are energy beings and when our energy becomes unbalanced or blocked that's when we feel the anxiety when we feel the anger the resentment grief more heavily and mm -hmm. so receiving a it's a gentle hands-on healing technique it supports that letting go and releasing and rebalancing so it's a very nurturing hands-on healing technique which anybody can learn for themselves mm, that's wonderful 
And so how do you then incorporate that into the into the healing journey? Does it need to be in person? So do people who sign up for the six weeks, do they need to come and see you every fortnight or can you do the Reiki via distance as they're doing their um, exercises? How does that work with your practice? Really to get the most benefit is to come and see me in person. Yep. Uh, yep. And now that we're through all the COVID restrictions, that's mm. an opportunity. And also to receive the hands-on healing, to actually feel that gentle touch. It's so nurturing. As a Reiki master teacher, I can offer what's called distance healings, and I didn't mm -hmm. do last year. But that in-person um, sort of appointment and that sort of real hands-on touch is so powerful. You can't underestimate it. And that's what gets the, the value and the shifts happening more mm -hmm. um, competently uh, with my clients and that they're able to then sustain it more readily uh, through the in-person sort of appointments. Yeah, definitely. And it's something that I think is very much underappreciated, under the in-person interactions of the exchange of energy. And like you said, the power of touch, it's just so amazing. It can, it does so much for our body, cascades of everything. I would imagine that you would, yeah, you would definitely feel that difference, especially doing it to people, would you, rather than the distance to the in-person? Oh, definitely. And the recipient um, actually sort of is more aware of what's going on and mm. are more open to um, spiritual guidance during the session uh, and actually can relax more deeply into the healing um, because they feel safe and mm. nurtured and, you know, it's okay to let go. Yeah. And I guess the other thing about adding in the Reiki with the counselling is as they're journaling and as they're doing their little exercises, a whole bunch of stuff would come up. So the Reiki would be really good to, as that's brought to the surface, to clear it and to allow it to go and to be let go, like you were saying. Have you mm -hmm. found that? Yes. Um, a lot of my clients feel a sense of lightness after a healing. Mm. Uh, and also they get sort of insights, um, so, yeah, they, they, they do find that the benefits uh, are quite incredible. Yeah. And so not to um, divulge all of your secrets or all of your tools in the tool chest, can you give us a little smattering of what we can expect? Like what sort of tools do you use through your, um, through your sessions? Well, I have a treasure chest of little things that I can offer my clients depending on yeah. what they're going through. And so... Somebody might be experiencing anxiety, but depending on the, the root cause of the anxiety, there'll be different activities that I'll sort of, you know, bring out of my little treasure chest. And as you say, it could be something simple as journaling or one of the things that I find people tend not to do, which is really invaluable, is simply to go outside for 10 minutes a day to be in nature or simply to be in the fresh air to experience what's going on outside rather than we spend a lot of time inside and on gadgets. Uh, and so being outside in nature is so beneficial. I had a client who was in a very responsible role in an aged care centre, and she was holding a lot of old anger mm. as well, uh, and that reflected in her relationships. And she began two 10-minute walks a day to simply let her mind wander. Mm. And after a while... That really seeped into her self-confidence, self-awareness. She became softer, less abrupt, less antagonistic. And over a period of time, along with other activities, 
that those little walks were her savior because a family no longer walked on eggshells when she got home the staff were able to talk to her and she got awarded employee of the year yeah wow what a transformation yes um and, and it's that sort of being willing to commit to yourself mm. and do what might seem like a a simple exercise you know what's what's the point of doing this mm. but actually embracing it and being open to the transformations that can occur because of it mm. and it's so funny we're kind of being a little bit forced into this sort of digital playground where we're trying to connect with each other through like the gadgets and you say but we're not connecting to ourselves so having that little bit of space to go out for the walk or go out and sit in nature or go out and sit with yourself you know we have to connect in here to allow that transformation to occur do you think definitely and uh, it's unfortunate but most of my clients when they come to me they've sort of hit a brick wall and don't know where else mm. to go mm. uh, and usually as you say it, it's that understanding that you are important and it's okay to look after yourself yeah the majority of my clients are mature women often they've sort of got lost in their direction of what, what they're doing with their life mm -hmm. and so i can support them to say that it's it's okay to look after yourself and actually put yourself first for a change because you can still look after other people at the same time yeah well, it's that old adage, isn't it? You can't pour from an empty cup. So until you fill up your own cup, you can't really give to anybody else. Definitely. So, well then, what kind of clients are you really looking for? Like, do you just prefer the the sort of middle-aged women or are you sort of open to everyone or what do you specialize in? Yeah, what, what sort of, what are you really looking for? What clients would you love to connect with and have through your clinic? I specialize in mature ladies yep. uh, who quite often have hit a brick wall mm. and I, my, my speciality subject is those who are in the corporate IT industry and have come up against that brick wall and aren't sure what to do because I, I've been there and I've done that I understand their pain mm. so I can certainly support them but that sort of also allows me to um, support others uh, with similar but not quite the same issues so I do actually support um, men mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but it tends to be that the the women are the ones who are more self-aware and more open to their emotions and their spiritual side so i have had a, a number of uh, gentlemen through my practice as well mm. they're not excluded they mm -hmm. simply don't tend to sort of be open to the opportunities available through me yeah and i guess do you th why do you think that is maybe is it is it a bit of a um i don't know an empathy uh, disconnect because I, I don't think so like what 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 makes you think that that could be the case is it just that they're not open I think a lot of um, again I tend to see uh, mature women yeah yeah um, and generally and I'm I'm mindful that I'm being quite general in this statement for but sure yeah men of a similar vintage shall we say tend to have had the upbringing where they don't acknowledge their emotions. Mm, yeah, 100%. Uh, and so whereas as a female, we, we tend to have more of a, an openness with respect to emotions. And so mm. maybe there's more of a willingness to go there. And as part of my 11-week um, program, mm. that, that it can be confronting because mm. there is you will need to look at the emotions that are going through and actually sort of, feel them and then be able to release them mm. 
And so that's one of the aspects of my program is that it's very insightful, it's very transformational. And part of that is a bit of stirring up of the emotions and then feeling the lightness once you've done that. Yeah, and I mean, as a man myself, I find that so upsetting that other men can't necessarily experience that side because we've all got them and it's something that we're repressing. And just the whole concept of how much damage that would be continuously doing to the male psyche on a, on a basis is just, it's, it's really upsetting to me as a man. So yeah, having more men coming to wonderful people, wonderful practitioners like you to help them explore that side of ourselves that like you said especially from men of the men of your vintage where it was repressed being actually able to go to a safe space and have that part of us held and explored i think is so important for making us whole and making us the beautiful humans that we are um i would expect that you've seen that through some of the men that have come through your through your um transformational process and actually engage with it fully yes yes that's very true yeah um, so, so, so my speciality subject mm. is predominantly uh, mature women in the corporate IT industry. Yeah. Uh, but I, I don't um, tell others that they're not welcome. I, yeah. <laughs> I, my, my services are uh, very um, supportive to a lot of people. Mm. That's absolutely wonderful. And so you were also saying that you're a Reiki master. So does that mean that you teach people Reiki? And so how does that look? And who are you uh, putting your services out to with that? Other practitioners or just general ordinary people who want to learn Reiki? How does that side of your business and your practice evolve? Well, you've actually um, covered both angles in what you, your, your question in that yep. um, anybody can learn Reiki for themselves. And the beauty of it is that um, once you have the level one um, uh, experience, which is my self-understanding with Reiki level one work program, um, that gives you the insight to how to offer Reiki healings to yourself and your friends and family. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the level two, which might be of more of an interest to the other practitioners that and to have is the level where you have enough competency and confidence in the skill set that you can then incorporate as part of your practice. Mm. So um, even as a practitioner, level one is wonderful because it will support you with being able to look after yourself better, offer yourself a healing to ease the anxiety, to ease the stresses of managing your own practice. I know I do it myself. <laughs> uh, and then from there you can evolve because my Reiki journey was quite uh, interesting because I hadn't intended becoming a Reiki master teacher when I first set out. It was all about looking after me and my emotional and spiritual well-being. Mm. And then once I'd done my level one and then I did my level two, and then I was thinking about it, I thought, oh, actually, this is really beneficial. So then I thought I'd offer it to my clients as part of the treatments I can use to support them. And then through that, I thought, well, It'd be even better if more people knew how to do Reiki for themselves. And that's got mm. me onto these sort of teaching um, sort of training course as well. So it's it can be evolutionary. And I always say to my students, it starts with you, you looking after you, mm. and then doing that as best you can. And the more um, self-care tools you have in your toolkit, the better it is for you and those that you're looking after. So Reiki can be done by anybody. It's simply a willingness and an open mind. Uh, and 
I teach Reiki in a similar way to I do one-on-one -on -one clients in that it's a commitment over a period of time. Mm -hmm. The level one is over about six weeks. And that means that there's plenty of time for assimilation, understanding, hands-on practice, and then refresh and review. Yeah. So that by the end of the six weeks, there's a competency and a confidence that I think sometimes in a one-off workshop over a weekend, you sort of, in, you're inspired, but when you get back into life, you sort of think, oh, I forgot about that. And I can't remember how to do the other, but there's no ongoing support. So mm -hmm. I feel that by having that as part of my training programs uh, in learning Reiki, that it's actually more beneficial. Yeah, wonderful. And again, like you said, it's a skill. And you can't learn a skill over a weekend. It does take time to get used to it, to get, you know, sort of have the training wheels off, then take the tra training wheels on, then take the training wheels off and, you know, get to get used to everything that can come up. And I suppose the other thing is that you may, you have to equip them to uh, deal with something that's unexpected. And you can't get that until you've had like a little bit of experience over over time. So having that extra support where you're like, oh, well, I did this and this happened, and have you? And he's like, oh, yeah, I know that. I've 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 dealt with this before, and I, you can help them through those sort of that those unknowns or if something unexpected happens. I would, I would well imagine. Yeah, um, certainly the the level of confidence and understanding how to make it part of your life as opposed to yeah. something I only do when there's a crisis because it's the the regular um, self-healings or mm. sort of offerings, you know, family member healing, that actually is the benefit. Uh, and I know from experience that sort of the, you know, a bit like doing your regular walks in nature, being able to offer yourself a regular Reiki healing keeps things at bay that might otherwise rear their heads and sort of mm. bite you on the bum, so to speak. So yeah. that you actually have a, a more capacity to be calm, responsive as, as opposed to reactive, and actually sort of make better decisions overall in your life. Yeah. Kind of like deal with the boulder when it's a grain of sand rather than when it's a mountain. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it takes so much longer. Um, and so how does that look for people then? Is that still an online class or do they come and see you every week for the six weeks? How, how does uh, that work? It, I say I've got sort of uh, bite-sized chunks. There's yep. uh, some sort of uh, short sessions. There's some follow-up sessions, yeah. and it works in that um, most of it's in person now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, fantastic. Um, yeah. And then there's a process with respect to learning Reiki where you have uh, an alignment or an attunement to the energy, so there's yeah. pure energy of unconditional love, which is Reiki, mm -hmm. and that needs to be done in person. Yeah. Uh, and so, and when you learn the hands-on healing techniques, you sort of need to be there in person as well. Yeah. And so with the level two, then, is it a similar process to the level one or is it is that a little bit shorter or how does level two work? Oh, it's, the level two is longer because yep. you really learn you the level one is sort of like your um, primary school. Mm -hmm. Your level mm -hmm. two is your secondary school. So it's it's a longer process. But again, it's it's these bite sized chunks over a period of about uh, 12 weeks for the yeah, level okay. two, because that's the level where at the end of it, you could become a Reiki practitioner and offer Reiki to your um, clients, say, if you're a natural therapist. Mm -hmm. So that needs to be more um, expanded and in-depth and to ensure that the skills and competencies are there. Yeah. So the level one is more for you. 
mm-hmm. and looking after you and your immediate friends and family. And the level two is um, to be able to offer the healing uh, to a broader community uh, as well as to yourself. Yeah, wonderful. Well, absolutely awesome, Jackie. Thank you so much for coming on. We really, really appreciate your time. If they're looking for you, how can they get in touch? Where's your clinic and how do they come and undertake this wonderful journey with you? My business name is Holistic Healing Melbourne. Mm -hmm. I'm based in the beautiful leafy suburb of Eltham in Melbourne. And my website is holistichealingmelbourne.com.au. And I'd love to hear from people. Yeah, wonderful. Well, if any clients out there that look like this could be a therapy that they want to go and experience, please get in contact with Jackie. And any therapists out there that want to learn how to actually bring this wonderful healing modality to the world, please get in contact with Jackie. We'd just like to thank you so much for being on Therapist Spotlight, Jackie. And for everybody out there, we'll catch us all later. Have a good day, have a good life, and see you later. Bye. Thank you for listening to Therapist Spotlight. If you would like to know more about ANTA, visit us at www.anta.com.au.